So Jesus, by what you say to us in Scripture, we ask that you would help us to mean that so that we don't just mean I surrender some, but that we mean I surrender all. Help us to follow you more and be more focused on you through your word. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, hello to those of you at home watching online. Great to have you with us as well as all of you. I want to show you some symbols of what I consider to be my oppression. And my lovely assistant here, Vanna White, is helping me out with this. Thank you, Vanna. This suitcase right here, this is our family suitcase. We use this when we go on family trips. We put all of our stuff in it as well as one of our kids to save on airfare. The problem with this thing, though, is that you got to get to the airport early, check in, check it, you know, pay to check it in, and then you got to wait on the other side for it not to show up. So I hate this thing. This thing right here, this little roll-on, is actually even worse because everyone has these nowadays. And if you ever notice, you're getting on the airport airplane, there's all this tension, right, about, you know, is there going to be enough overhead space for all of these things? And sometimes there's jostling and shoving and pushing and elbowing. And then one of you says, hello, pastor, and it's awkward. So I prefer just to travel with this backpack because I can just stick it under the seat in front of me, no fighting, no hassle, just kind of wrestling with the guy in front of me who's trying to lean his chair back. That's it, right? Freedom. That's going to be the topic of today's sermon. Vanna, thank you very much for your wonderful assistance. We are in a sermon series on habits that help us to grow spiritually, but also emotionally, socially, in lots of ways. How do we grow? And essential to growth is to travel light, to not be weighed down with the stuff of this world, whether that's money or possessions or degrees or titles or whatever it is. Now, those things can be very good things. They're not bad things. They're very good things. But they can also be dangerous things and keep us from growing if we become too attached to them. A few months ago, I told you about a story of a woman who started to ask the question, what keeps me from radically following Jesus? And her answer was, my house. Because she's tied to the mortgage, which meant she and her husband were tied to needing a certain job at a certain income level. So they sold their house and rented a smaller one in a different neighborhood, and they love it. The, the neighbors in their neighborhood hang out together more, so they're experiencing more community. Smaller house is less money, which means they have more financial margin, so they're not stressed out all the time about money. There's also not a lot of rooms for everyone to go to, so the family's kind of huddled up together more, so they're getting closer as a family. Now that story intrigues me, because on the one hand, I think, but I like my house and I don't want to get rid of my house. And I'm not sure that Jesus would ask every one of us to get rid of our house, though maybe. But there's also something in that story that I find very attractive, the freedom in that story. You know, that without the house, they have more financial freedom, more financial margin. They can take a job that they like, but that pays less, they, 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 which means they have more time for relationships, which is what really makes us happy. There's a freedom there to just pick up and go when Jesus says to pick up and go. In the text we read today, Jesus is training his disciples, and he sends them out on a mission because that's how we grow, by doing stuff for Jesus. Sends them out on a mission, and these are his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. 
In other words, travel light. Don't be dragged down by possessions, degrees, titles, whatever it is, money, whatever it is. Now, this is a very counterculture message. This is a message that we don't like, myself included, because we like stuff and we want more of it. So getting rid of stuff, that doesn't sound good to us. But look what happens when the disciples return. It says they gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. There's this kind of excitement. They've been on this mission. They've been on this adventure. There's kind of this excitement in their voices. In a similar story, they come back and say, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And then Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I have given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. Sounds like they grew spiritually to me, doesn't it? Like this amazing stuff is happening. They're having all these adventures. They've tapped into the power of Jesus. And for one thing's for sure, they sure weren't bored. Right? It doesn't say that they came back from their mission and reported to Jesus all the committees they had set on. Right? It doesn't say they, all the sermons they had listened to. No, all the adventure, all that they had done. They're able to go where Jesus said go and do these amazing things because they traveled light. And Scripture gives us a couple of ways that we can lighten our load. Travel more light. Be less attached to the stuff of this world so that we can grow spiritually. And I'm going to spend most of my time on the first point, and then there'll be two other points after that. And the first, the way to lighten our load, travel light so we can grow, is to give, a.k.a. tithe. And right now some of you are like, oh man, why did I come to church today? Got the tithing sermon Sunday. Now, I just want you to know, it has been a couple of years since I have talked about this, so you're due for this sermon, okay? <laughs> and I suppose that you're generous congregations, so this is not a guilt trip. You guys are very generous. Many of you do this, not a guilt thing. But this is, how, this is part of spiritual growth. Tithe means to give 10% of our income to God's work. And I believe Scripture is pretty clear that that, that, go, that first 10% goes to the worshiping community you're a part of. And I put some Scriptures in the bulletin that kind of talk about that. And then you can read those and argue with me. And I'll just say you're arguing with God. That's how it'll go. <laughs> now, the Israelites actually gave way more than 10%. There was the tithe, which was 10%. Over and above that, they gave special offerings. The New Testament says that giving should be sacrificial, which means that for many of us, myself included, because of our income level, we should be giving way more than 10%, which is why my wife and I give our first 10% here, and then over and above that, give to other organizations that are doing God's work. Tithe is what you owe. You're not given until you're above that. And we're in this series on seven habits that help us grow spiritually. And there is no way that we could talk about this. No way we could list seven habits that help us grow without talking about this one. Because it is so central. It is so key to spiritual growth. In fact, there can be no significant spiritual growth whatsoever. There can be no significant growth until we surrender our money and our attitude toward it into God's hands. And I just want you to know, at the last service, I got an amen for that line. Amen in a tithing service, right? That <laughs> spirit's moving. There can be no significant growth without this because of all the idols we follow, money is the most potent. And money is never about just money. Money is always about what do I really trust? What do I really lean on? So we grow spiritually when we surrender some of our money into God's hands. Which is why giving the first 10% to your church, I think, is also helpful. Because rather than still hanging on to it by controlling where it goes, you're surrendering it and letting the elders and leadership of the church decide where it goes. 
And if you've got questions about that, we are 100% transparent here. We'll show you everything you want, you want to see. And I want you to know also as a church, we practice what I'm preaching. We tithe. We give over 11% of our budget away to help other people not connected with this church. That is a discipline we have. And then over and above that 11%, we also have special offerings. We give a lot of money to others. We don't just keep it for all of our stuff here. But here's the point. If you really want to prove to yourself that God exists, if you really want to prove to yourself that God exists, tithe. Because then you see him provide, which helps us believe that he is real. There's a book called The Generosity Paradox, written by a sociologist at Notre Dame. Did a bunch of research, and what he discovered is that people who give less are, mar are much more lonely than people who give more. Because givers tend to connect with the people they give to, as well as the people they give with. People who give less also have a lower sense of meaning and purpose in their life, because they're not part of making a difference. People who give less are also way more anxious about money. The reason is they justify their lack of giving by, by believing the world is a place of scarcity. And so they scare themselves and they're far more anxious about money than people who give. And when we give, we grow and we are blessed in four ways. So I'm going to do some subpoints here. Some four ways that we, when we give, we grow. And the first is this, when you give, you worry less about money. Because you see God provide, maybe not for all your wants, but for your needs, and that convinces you he's there. See, I think God is saying to all of us, I want to give you so much, but he cannot put it into clenched fists. My former church, I was just down in California, and my former church is doing this thing right now they call the tithing challenge, where they ask people to tithe for 90 days, and then if they don't like it, they get their money back, which that's a good deal, right? So one woman sent an email and said, thank you so much for this tithing challenge. And she, she was working a minimum wage job, barely making ends meet, but she took this tithing challenge. And she said, you know, I thought God would bless me by teaching me some lesson or something like that. But a few days later, she got a 20% raise at her job. She said, God went up to me. I gave 10%. I got a 20% raise. She said, seriously, God, now you're just showing off. Now, that doesn't always happen, okay? It's not a magic formula, and tithing is certainly not some kind of way to manipulate God into giving us stuff. You know, for instance, just because I say I like homemade chocolate chip cookies better than almost anything in the world, that's not a hint that one of you should bake me some homemade chocolate chip cookies and maybe leave them in my office tomorrow. That's, I'm not saying that. When I, I'm, just, that's, I'm just saying I love homemade chocolate chip cookies more than almost anything. That and lakefront property. Okay, tithing is not that. Okay, it's not this way to get God to give us stuff. However, however, I can tell you dozens in the plural of stories just like that one. Out of my own life and others where people give and they see God provide. It's the law of supernatural supply, which helps you believe in the supernatural. Some of you right now are thinking, oh no, he's about to announce that we're going to do that tithing challenge thing. No, I'm not going to say that yet. Second way we grow when we give is we experience the freedom of wanting less. Because we discover that we can be happy on less than we think we need to be happy, or that our culture says that we need to be happy. And that relieves some of the pressure of always wanting more and more, but never being satisfied. There's a couple in this church who had been given just a little bit their whole life, but they weren't tithing. So they started to pray, Lord, help us get to 10%. Well, a little after that, they got a pay cut at work, and so what they'd been giving all along was now 10% of their income, 
Who says God doesn't answer prayer? But their lifestyle just adjusted around it, and they, they said they ended up actually being happier. They found they could be happy with less. And, and they've never stopped tithing since, even as his income has gone back up. Third way we grow is that we get to be part of God healing this world. We have folks here, deacons, who take communion to homebound people once a month. And there's this one man in his 80s who's homebound, and he's been having conversations with the, the deacon that brings him the communion. And they read a book together, and eventually this man said, you know what, this has really got me thinking about my faith. I'd like to be baptized. Now, if you give here, you help that homebound man find community and comfort in Jesus. That packing event that you just heard described, where little kids and with their parents and people from, you know, like eight, five or six all the way to 80, in their 80s, the whole family of God got to experience that. So good for those kids to have, the, and it was so growing for those kids' faith. But it also created a lot of meals for people who need food. You, you make that happen with your gifts of time and talent and treasure. I heard a story at Jubilee Reach, which this church started and helps to fund about a middle schooler named Adrian who was reading two levels below his grade level. Got involved in the after-school program, and like a lot of kids that get involved in Club Jubilee, he saw a lot of stuff start to change. Right? He was loved by a coach. He's part of a team that teaches discipline and teamwork and hard work and respect, where the coach has helped with his homework. And so like a lot of students, most students who get involved with Club Jubilee, now his, his grades, is everything has gone way up. He's reading a level above his grade level. But more than that, there was a group of boys who were trying to get a football team together, but they didn't have a quarterback. This guy named Adrian, he never told anyone that he had an arm. But one day the boys asked him to play, and he began to throw these beautiful spiral passes. And that evolved into, him to lead, into leading a group of 20 boys and one girl who doesn't want to be left out of the story in football drills every single day. And at the end of every practice, the kids, kids will compliment one another on what they did well. Adrian always focuses on the new kid or the kid who is struggling athletically that day to encourage them. So not only is he now above grade level, but he's also learning leadership and compassion and teamwork. And all of those things are going to help him get out of poverty. And if you give here, you are part of making that happen for Adrian. A woman who works with the schools recently said to one of the Jubilee Reach people, she had tears in her eyes, and she said, I've been an atheist my whole life, but because of what I see here, I'm starting to believe in God. I've had two city officials say to me in the last year and a half, if your church went away, the east side would be in trouble because of all you do, we'd have to raise taxes to, to make up the difference. Remember back when we said we wanted to be a church the east side can't live without? Well, now they're saying it to me. I'm not saying it. And it makes me feel so good that I'm part of that through what my wife and I give here as well as to those other organizations. And you know what? I don't know what car we might have bought or what vacation we might have had with the money we gave away. I, all I know is I don't miss it. And because where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. My heart is with those people and their changed lives rather than in some thing that I'll just get bored with later on. And then the last way we grow when we give is we move in faith, not fear. Because see, here's the thing. If we say, God, I choose you at church and I choose you when I pray, but when I pay my bills, I'm going to choose something else, we're not really trusting him which means he's less real to us. But when we give, it gets us out of our scarcity mentality, out of our limitations and into the limitlessness of God. <clears throat> About a year ago, 
I mentioned one Sunday that we were running a little behind on the church budget, and as you guys always do, you faithfully stepped up and you gave, and we made up the gap and all of that. But right after, thank you so much for doing that, but right after I made that announcement, afterwards a high school student came up to me and said, sorry to hear about the budget, I'm sorry you're going to get fired. And I said, it's not that bad. And then he said, oh, just the people lower down are going to get fired. No, nobody is going to get fired. But see, that's what can kind of happen to us if we don't give. We start to live in this scarcity mentality, and we get afraid and anxious about money and start to imagine the worst. But when we give, we see God provide, which helps us know that he's there, which helps us know that he's real, which helps us to grow. And guys, think of what we could do together as a church. Think of what we could do together for the east side and beyond if everyone in this church tithed. Oh my goodness, Jubilee Reach right now is just in the middle schools, but the, the school district wants them in every school, elementary and high schools, because of the way that kids so dramatically improve academically and socially and relationally and emotionally being part of Jubilee Reach Club Jubilee. We would love to help Jubilee Reach expand into other schools as well as into other communities around King County. We could totally transform villages in Cambodia or Haiti in places that were involved. We could single-handedly as a church, if everyone tithed, we could single-handedly as a church take a giant dent, make a giant dent in teen homelessness on the east side. If we all tithed, we'd see a lot of things get revived, including ourselves. It's how we grow. But if we hang on with clenched fists, we don't grow. We shrink. I heard a story about a kid who got a dollar for his allowance, and his mother gave it to him in dimes. And she said, one of these dimes is for Jesus. But as he was walking to church, one of the dimes slipped out of his hand and rolled down the storm drain. So he said, oh, bummer, Jesus, there goes your dime. <laughs> Which is kind of how we approach it, right? But we don't grow that way. But if you give, you and those around you revive and thrive because we are participating in the heart of God. Because the Bible says this, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. God is a giver. And when we give, we participate in the heart of God. And we experience him more. And you discover that the God who is big enough to save your soul is big enough for your bank account. And on this topic, this is a topic where I just want to literally get down on my knees and beg you to do this. Not for the church budget's sake, but because I love you and you're a great church. And I know, I know, I know how much more real God would be to you if you just tithed. And many of you do, and you know that blessing. Thus endeth the tithing portion of this sermon. It's over. We can move on. There's two other uh, points I want to mention briefly that can help us travel light so that we can grow. And, and I'll do these a little quicker. The second way we travel light so that we can grow is to fast. Some of you are like, man, this sermon goes from bad to worse. <laughs> right? Like, now, how many of you got up this morning and said, man, I hope he talks about tithing and fasting. That'd be awesome. But here's the thing. If fasting were a miserable experience, it would not have been practiced for 4,000 years. And there are many things to fast from, food certainly, but also media or email or shopping to make ourselves feel better. And fasting helps us experience God. Because see, God is always speaking, but our lives are so busy with work and, and, and errands and TV and social media, all kinds of stuff, we can't hear him. 
And especially if we couple fasting with prayer and pray when you would have been eating or looking at Facebook or whatever you're fasting from, you often just reach this different spiritual place. Fasting is giving up something supernatural, giving up something natural to experience something supernatural. And the other benefit to fasting is it sets us free from the tyranny of our appetites because we are a culture that is enslaved. We are absolute slaves in this culture to our appetites, aren't we? And if you can't be happy if you're a little hungry or cold or tired or your vacation is ruined because the air conditioner is busted in the hotel or whatever it is, that shows what you really lean on. And fasting can help set us free from the tyranny of our appetite. <clears throat> when we lived in California, we had this dog named Toby that would eat absolutely everything in sight. One time, she ate a whole box full of caffeinated tea bags, right? And she was a whippet, so she already had a lot of energy. And I was leading a Bible study that night, and the dog would, like, run around and around in a circle in the middle of the room, then jump up on someone's lap, then back down and around and around, and then up and down. I mean, like demon dog from hell, right? Because it had all this caffeine. You know, when our kids were, were babies, the dog could be asleep in the next room. And if one of our kids spit up, the dog would wake from a dead sleep, run across the entire house, and before we could get a washcloth, that kid would have licked it clean. <laughs> Gross, but convenient. <laughs> like super convenient. Right? And, and, and I know that for some of you, the only thing you're going to remember about this sermon is that story, right? Like the dog that, yeah, well... Okay, here's the point of that. We are, we are a culture of Tobies. Consume, 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 which makes us slaves to our appetites, and that makes us not grow. So don't be Toby. Right? Fasting can free us from all of that consumption and appetite. I mentioned before families who have fasted from TV and video games, and at first the kids hate it, but then they discover the joy of playing outside or of doing a board game together as a family and growing closer. As I've shared with you many times, one of my addictions is I say yes to far too many things because I'm a people pleaser and I'm just trying to keep everyone happy. So I'm always in a hurry, right? I drive fast, eat fast, walk fast. See all the ways I fast? <laughs> Some people say I talk fast, whatever. So for me, one of my fasts is slow down so I can hear God. Which brings me to the last way to travel light, and that is Sabbath, which on the east side may be the most counterculture thing that we could possibly do. After the disciples come back from their mission, Jesus says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus often rested and, and, and even said no to people in need because the need is not always the call and because rest is how we grow spiritually. You have to do both. He sends his disciples out on a mission. We have to do the mission, but then you have to rest to grow. You need both. It's like lifting weights. you got to push the iron, but that's not actually when you grow. You grow in the off time, in the rest time. you got to do both. It's like breathing. you got to breathe in. you got to breathe out. So set aside at least 24 hours a week. My day off is Friday. To recharge spiritually, do things that revive you. Connect with God in prayer, worship, maybe go on a hike, be with friends, be with family, anything that revives you. Some people golf. If that works for you, God bless you. That's awesome. You know, do, I have noticed, though, it does seem to make certain people call in the name of Jesus more often, so <laughs> not always in the good way, but theoretically it could revive you. And what all three of these things have in common, giving, 
fasting, Sabbath, what all these three have in common that helps us grow is they all three force us to lean on the sufficiency of God. You know, in an agrarian economy like Israel's was, to take a day off that day, maybe was the day that you needed to do the harvest, to take a day off, that, that was a big act of faith. Sabbath is saying, God, I trust your sufficiency. By not working every day, I'm saying, God, I trust you to help me get done what really needs to get done and not what doesn't need to get done, at least for now. And my family and my faith and my friends are important to me, and I'm going to invest there. And if that means I don't rise up the ladder as fast as everyone else, well, so be it, Jesus, I trust you with my future. So where can you travel more lightly so that you're less attached to the stuff of this world and ready to go where Jesus says to go? Maybe it is to tithe or at least increase what you're giving. Maybe it's to fast from something or, or to observe Sabbath. Maybe it's simply to go home today and not do something. Whatever it is, we can't grow spiritually, can't be ready to go where Jesus says to go if we're hanging on to the stuff of this earth. We've got to travel light. I recently heard about a man named Gary who was on a mission trip to Honduras to help street kids. And this, he got a little shadow um, while he was on this mission trip, this one little boy who would not leave his side. He would imitate the way Gary stood, his hand gestures, everything. And Gary only knows two phrases in Spanish, so he used one of them and said, ¿Cómo se llama usted? Little boy started talking a mile a minute. So then Gary said, no comprendo, which was the other phrase he knew. <laughs> little, little guy just would not stop talking and put his arms around Gary's waist. Became really clear the little boy was asking a question. Gary got tired of saying no comprendo all the time, so he finally just said, see. And the boy got this huge smile on his face, ran off to the hut where he lived, and at that point it occurred to Gary he had no idea what he had just said yes to. You know, like maybe he'd promised to take the family to America or give his daughter in marriage or he didn't know. Whatever it was made the boy super happy. Well, the boy came running back and handed Gary a carton of chocolate milk, maybe the most precious possession he had. And Gary realized what made this boy so happy wasn't that he was going to get something, but was that even he had something that he could give. And Gary said he would have cried, but he was afraid that the it would make the little guy think that he didn't like the present. So he called the translator over, and he said, thank you for this milk. And he wanted to give something in return, so he just took off his watch and put it on the little boy's wrist, and he said, every time you look at this watch, you ask Jesus to help you keep being as loving as you are until the next time you look at this watch. And every time I see a carton of milk, I'm going to remember how much I need Jesus to help me be as generous as a little boy in Honduras. Question. You think Gary grew spiritually that day, just a little at least? And what about the boy? Of course they did. Because where your treasure is, your heart is also there. And because they invested in each other and gave to each other, their hearts were now with each other and their worlds were a little bit bigger. And Jesus seemed more real because each of them lightened their load. Because see, when we travel light, not attached, not hanging on, not weighed down by the stuff of this world, what you discover is that less really is more. More joy, more growth, more life. It's the freedom of traveling light. So Jesus, there's no way we can do this without your help. It is too counterculture. It goes against the grain too much. So Jesus, help us by the power of your Holy Spirit, pry our hands off the stuff of this world, Help us to hang on only to you and follow you. Set us free from the things that weigh us down so that we can travel light 
and be part of your rescue mission and become the people you created us to be. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.